Hello, Trailblazers. Welcome back to another episode. My name is Stacey. If you're new here, I'm the co-founder and host of the Business Casual Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in for another one of our episodes. If you're new, excited to have you here. Welcome. If you're returning, thank you so much for coming back and tuning in for another one of our Tuesday Trailblazer episodes. If you're new here, the Business Casual posts bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can follow us on Instagram at business.casual.podcast to stay up to date and be sure to follow us on all your favorite podcasting streaming platforms to stay up to date to know when we post an episode. And also feel free to give us a five-star rating and review. It helps us so much and truly means the world. The podcast is my favorite thing. It's my passion. It's my pride and joy. And it just means so much when I get to hear from our listeners and see that you're all enjoying our content as well. I love every single one of our episodes. I think Business Casual has great content. Obviously, I'm the one making it. If I didn't think it was good, that would be an issue. But today's episode in particular, I just left the recording feeling so energized. I absolutely loved Maya. I think the energy she brought and her story and the passion that she brings for her business was so like infectious and I feel like it really rubbed off on me. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to today's episode. I'm not going to intro too much of it because I think that you just got to listen to her share her stories about building STC, but I'll give you a bit of a background before we jump into the episode. So Maya grew up in Vancouver. That's where she spent most of her childhood and teenage years. She played D1 soccer at Rutgers University in New Jersey, where she got a degree in economics and communication. She moved back to Van after graduating and started her career in the fashion industry as an executive assistant to the CMO at Aritzia. She actually worked very closely with Sarah Nathanson, who we had on the podcast from Aritzia almost a year ago now, which is crazy. So a bit of a full circle moment there. And when she was at Aritzia, she got a crash course on everything digital marketing and e-commerce. From there, she went on to work for a predominant Canadian resortwear brand and later worked as a stylist and personal shopper where she was able to observe the shopping behaviors and patterns of hundreds of women. Maya gathered her collective knowledge and began to focus on how to solve a problem she had been noticing for years in her experience in fashion and retail. And she noticed this big gap in communication between shoppers and local retailers. And that was where the idea came for Shop This City. Shop This City, also known as STC, its platform, which is available on both a website and mobile app, allows users to search for their favorite brands, styles, and products and locate them in nearby stores. STC works with over 100 of the best boutiques and brands across BC and is planning to launch in Toronto very soon. And as this episode comes out, they have just launched in Toronto. So we are welcoming them, them to the Toronto market and are so excited for them and this huge expansion from BC to Toronto. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it off with the interview and welcome Maya to the show. Hey, Trailblazers. Welcome back to the Business Casual podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to another Trailblazer for this week's Trailblazer Tuesday. So I cannot wait to welcome Maya to the show. How's it going, Maya? Great. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. This has been a long time in the making. We were just chatting before we started recording and we've connected many months ago. And so I've been so excited for this conversation and to chat all about Shop the City. I also downloaded the app because I obviously need to be familiar with it and I hadn't heard about it. We started chatting. So excited to kind of dive in and maybe we'll just start for anyone who's listening. It's like never heard of Shop the City. Mm-hmm. Give us like, your intro on like what the app is and why you kind of created it. Yeah, for sure. So 
basically what we wanted to do was make it easier for people to discover their favorite styles, brands, products in stores near them. So many small businesses that carry really interesting stuff have a super hard time competing in the digital space. So you might be looking for like a black cocktail dress and the results you get on Google are big global e-commerce players. They're not the little store around the corner that might be looking for exactly what you're looking for. That might, that might be selling exactly what you're looking for. So, and I found it frustrating as a consumer to shop online all the time and return like literally everything I ordered. And I, I figured there was a way that we could aggregate all of the available inventory from all these amazing local businesses and put them in one place and make it easier to find stuff you wanted to buy or try on. And I am literally, I just started a full-time job, which I've been talking about every single episode and yeah. I'm looking for work clothes right now. And okay. everyone in my office dresses so stylishly. Like we've got just like very stylish. I work in beer and beverage. So definitely a very fun yeah. environment. It kind of gives like tech vibes meets like, mm. you know, I, I don't know how to describe it yet. Yeah, more like techie vibes, like business casual and I've been looking on the hunt for clothes and I look up like, okay, work appropriate clothes, like business casual clothes, right. same five retailers. And I've been on their websites right. like 16 times in the last two weeks. And I, the same like pain points you just described. I like, don't want to return things. I don't yeah. want to pay for shipping. I don't want to wait for it to ship because half the time I'm shipping from like Australia or like, yeah, exactly. and it's not, it, it's going to take forever to come. Exactly. And it's, I've had a few different experiences in fashion and retail, both with a large retailer, which was Aritzia, in the digital marketing and e-commerce department, and then for a small to medium-sized brand, and then also working with a stylist and a personal shopper. So sort of like all three sides of the industry. And SDC was ideally created to, to serve everybody on all sides, to support the small businesses, to make it easier for brands to allow their customers to find them, to try them on. Like the number one complaint we get from the small to medium-sized brands, the Canadian brands that we work with and have built relationships with is they are constantly getting DMs and emails from their customers being like, hey, I love this dress, but I would I don't know where I can go find it in person to try it on. And a lot of these small brands have wholesale relationships with boutiques across the country. For sure. So it allows the brands to be discovered in real life by their customers and it allows the users or the, I should say the consumer to find what they're looking for more easily. And then that way you can like try it on that, that day or tomorrow and not have to worry about always shopping online and potentially having to return like everything you order. And so STC kind of serves for the like brands or the small businesses kind of like, do you guys provide more, uh, I guess like one thing you're talking about digital marketing and like small brands mm-hmm. have a hard time, like dominating SEO. It's hard to like yeah. gain followers on Instagram. It's like super saturated market. It can be hard to like find your voice, find your name for you guys as like kind of the, the app. I'm curious to know how you guys balance kind of like promoting the app. Do you guys provide any like additional support from like a digital marketing perspective? Like, is there like, I don't know, content that you guys create or like, mm-hmm. are there like guarantees on like kind of like how much. Yeah. Uh, like, like visuals. Yeah. It's so funny. I got some advice early on that, we really needed to focus on being one thing at a time. Right. Build the technical platform, which by the way, has been, is so much work. Like I remember it's hilarious now to think back that I was ever worried about someone stealing this idea because it is so hard <laughs> to build the infrastructure. You know, it's sort of like that old iceberg analogy, like yeah. except in this case, it's like 99% of what we've worked on and built is underwater that no one sees. And the UI and UX on the front end is like 
are the last thing we think about. So the infrastructure, because we're pulling live inventory data constantly from tons of partners, and then we push it out to our users. And then we're also collecting data back to see what our users care about, which helps to inform our marketing. And so, but what we have discovered along the way for sure is that there is an opportunity for us to support some of these small businesses um, with their various digital marketing needs. But there's, it's a bit challenging because you know, these small businesses can't be spending like thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars on digital marketing. So what's the return on our, our investment on, t- in, on our, our time? And like, do I bring on another person to do digital marketing when that's not really, it, 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 it's a really difficult problem to solve for them. But the act, user activity on our platform has far surpassed what I would expect it to be at this point. And so those stores are getting a lot of views from highly motivated local shoppers without spending like 12 hours creating reels. So we, we do our own marketing and while we market ourselves, we market our partners. For sure. And we find that we get a lot of engagement and views with like reels, for example, when we produce Mm -hmm. them and we, we keep track of the partners that we're including in our marketing and make sure that we're divvying it up as much as we can in an even way. But there is an opportunity for us. We've had a lot of partners come to us and ask if they can pay for extra social media exposure, and we'll be able to introduce that at some point. But like I said, we have like so many irons in the fire. We have to stay focused on the technical side first and foremost. And I love that you brought up that you were scared that someone was going to steal your idea because one of my like favorite questions to ask entrepreneurs, and I am someone, mm-hmm. I consider myself an entrepreneur. Like I yeah. have ideas constantly. I'm always like trying to think of like what my next like big idea is going to be. And I'm always like trying to brainstorm. And I feel like one of the hardest things is you have this great idea and you don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to ask you. Like you had this idea. This is an app that requires a lot of different partners. It's not just about you. You're not the only stakeholder. You actually, it's like a network effect. You need other people to like be providing the like merchandising and like the actual clothing and like accessories to actually Mm -hmm. have your app function. So like, I'm just thinking, okay, putting myself in your shoes it's like, you don't even know where to start with and like how to convince other people. And I experienced that with business casuals. Like how do I convince other people to come on my show? Exactly. There's no show. It's just, just me talking. Right. Right. So I'd love to like hear, hear kind of that journey. Yeah. So first thing I did, I was working, I was still working for a stylist and Every single day we worked with women who would spend anywhere between like 500 bucks with us to like 50 grand with us. Yeah. And which was crazy. But the cool thing was that I got to observe women shopping every single day. And I was really starting to understand their shopping habits, how they, all of them without fail, all of them began their journey digitally. And then all of them ideally wanted to try things on before they bought them. And so while I was still at that job, I started going around and visiting some of the boutiques that I had loved growing up and shopped at whenever I could in Vancouver. I guess that was also like, there was something my mom and I did together when I was growing up is on my birthday, usually we'd like go walk down South Granville Street and go to some of my favorite stores and go sail shopping and stuff. And so I was familiar with a few local owners and those owners were so kind to me and so open-minded. And I went to them And I just asked them a lot of questions like, what's not working for you right now? What do you find most frustrating? How are you dealing with social media? How are you acquiring new customers? How are you communicating with your current customers? And trying to understand what really wasn't working for them 
to make sure that whatever we were going to build was going to solve those problems for them. And so I, I guess because I asked questions first, I got, I got answers that were really aligned with what our, what we were planning on building. And then a couple of those owners were, were so wonderful and they agreed to participate in a beta pilot project. And so it's a very simple connection. Like we just, it's a very simple API connection. So we just can see their inventory and we started building and, and I, and I used Instagram to just walk around and go to local stores and promote them. And so that they, so that those stores knew that we were in their corner and that we were actually a digital marketing thing that was there to support them first and foremost, and not because I think a lot of them had also been sort of burned by a lot of like digital marketing promises, For sure. you know, companies coming along and being like, we're going to increase your monthly e-commerce sales to 50 K a month. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so making sure that they, they knew that they could trust us. So that's sort of like, those are like the specific things I did, but on a more general sense, eventually I just went for it. Like you have to, I remember how nervous I was parking in front of a store and being like, okay, no matter how the conversation goes today, you're going to ask this store owner if they'll participate in this pilot project. <laughs> Don't yeah. chicken out. And the truth is that if you just show up to things genuinely and honestly and authentically, people want to participate. People want to support you. So you just have to, you just have to be brave enough to take the first step and know that there's, there's no, there's no wrong way to go about it. You just have to start. We are going to take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsor, AG1. I get asked all the time if I actually take this product and how it tastes and what I like about it. And I can wholeheartedly say after taking AG1 religiously for over a year now, I am obsessed with this product. It really is a one-stop for all things nutrition and everything your body needs to start the day off right. I absolutely love it because it's so easy and I really don't even think about it anymore. It's just habit. I take a glass of water, fill it all the way with ice, about halfway with water, add one scoop of my AG1. And I know that before I get to work and before I get in my car, I've taken something that is really good for my body and I'm doing something to give my body all the vitamins and nutrients it needs because AG1 is super high quality. I completely trust the product and it has lots of high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients. It really is a foundational nutritional product and I love it. I've tried many other you know, supplements over the years, but have really loved AG1 and I'm so excited that they're a sponsor of the Business Casual. My dad also recently started taking it and he is not someone that typically takes supplements or nutrients added outside of his daily food intake and he can confidently say he also loves it. So if you're looking for a simpler and effective, effective investment for your health, try AG1. You can get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash business casual. That is drinkag1 slash business casual. Check it out. I have three thoughts based on everything you just said. So one recap, like market research is basically what you were doing and you were looking yes, totally. world. like you had firsthand market research and you were able to like gather that. And like, we know that data informs everyone's decision. If you don't have data mm-hmm. informing your decisions, 
questionable. You know, data is really important. We need that to be part of all decisions. So one market research, and I've heard this a lot from entrepreneurs, and sometimes it's a little bit harder to gather market research, but I think just like you did, sometimes it's best to just go into market and go wherever you, whatever industry you want to be in. Yeah. Get in. And then I think that also builds into like relationship building. That was an important part that you brought over from your previous experience was that relationship piece. I'm sure you probably gained that in your personal shopper experience. It's like mm-hmm. understanding how to like build that relationship and make those connections. And I'm sure there it's also about like repeat customers. So how do you keep them long-term and keep them happy? Right. And the third thing that I wanted to bring up, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. One thing that I've heard a lot from people in their like early twenties or like in their twenties, or want to start something is they tell people their idea and whether that be like family, friends, mm-hmm. just like mentors, whoever may be, and people disagree with their idea or they say like, mm-hmm. if it's a great idea, why has anyone already thought of it? Right. Or like, but what about this? But what about this? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to discourage a lot of people. And so I, I recently was uh, listening to a podcast with Candace Owens, who has sprinkles cupcakes mm-hmm. and her advice was, if you really believe in the idea, don't tell anyone about it until it's already too far gone. You've already invested yep. too much. What was your experience building Shop the City in that realm? I knew why it hadn't already been built. And that was because cloud-based POS and inventory systems like Shopify didn't, didn't exist. And so when we started this idea, they were Shopify was paving the way. And so that cloud-based inventory sharing that we do, that you know, where Shopify stores update us with their inventory every few seconds, that didn't exist yet. Got it. And so I knew that it was the right time for us to build this. So I wasn't too concerned about that particular question. I did learn very early on not to to pick wisely who I talked to because you do get a lot of people who have no idea about yeah. the world you're trying to operate in handing out bad advice. <laughs> that that's available in spades. And I was lucky enough that I had a few people around me that were like, "Wow, this is cool. Like go for it. Go give it a try." And I also tend to and something I've really struggled with because there's a there's a real dark side to it as well is I hate doing something that I don't know how to do. I hate not having the answers. So being an entrepreneur has been a bit painful for me because something you need to get comfortable with early on is like making mistakes and pivoting and getting it wrong and and picking yourself up and moving on moving forward. And so before I'd share an idea with anybody, I would make sure that I had researched every possible answer to any possible question that might come my way. So I really, I did a lot of quiet work, I I would say before I talked about it. But, and I've heard, I've heard that same quote come from the Spanx founder, Sarah. Oh, Sarah Blakely. Blakely. And I I think it's, I think it's such great, such great advice because I've witnessed other people have their ideas shut down and you can see them. You can see the, the disappointment all over their face. And the truth is that unless you, unless that person who shoots you down has gone and done six or 12 months of research, they don't know what they're talking about. So it's easier said than done, but really think about who you're going to share it with and then tell yourself before you do that you can listen, you can be open-minded to good advice but it doesn't, it's, even if that person, you have that person on a pedestal or they're wealthy or successful or experienced or whatever, it doesn't mean they have the answer. You've got to go figure it out for yourself. I love that advice. I think it's so applicable and so relevant. And I never really, 
I think with business casual, because it was just like in a different realm in itself and it wasn't really mm-hmm. necessarily, I mean, we definitely did get people who kind of like questioned it or, you know, the first few months were kind of, we were kind of earlier in the podcast trend, I would say before it yeah. like really, really took off. But now I've, that I've kind of gotten older and I kind of realized that I really want to be an entrepreneur and I've kind of had some ideas of like really felt this and it's true like you feel deflated when someone shoots oh, down your idea but i think yeah. also it's telling to like what the entrepreneurial journey is mm-hmm. it's kind of a good segue what i wanted to talk about a little bit more was the challenges of building a team because i think as an entrepreneur the idea is great you have the idea you get it off the mm-hmm. ground you get some momentum maybe like things are going great i think it's really hard to then one find people the right people to be mm-hmm. part of a startup and to have the skills needed to like thrive mm-hmm. in a startup environment. And then two, I think, and I'd love your opinion on this is, you know, having like giving up the control. I, I think that's about war, play of words, but yeah. like, well, no, I, yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It's like your, something that you, like you've built your baby yeah. and like <laughs> having trust with other people that, you know, might not have the same like passion and excitement and like interest that obviously you do as the founder. Yeah. Good question. So I think by the time, so just in the last year, we've gone from two to 10 people. And so for a long time, it was myself and my CTO who is unbelievably amazing. He's like one of my favorite people on the planet and he's so brilliant and his communication skills are exceptional and he's an incredible developer. He's just the best. All the best qualities. All the best qualities I got. Mm -hmm. And I, that was pure luck. Like don't give me credit for finding him. Like that was just pure luck. So it's just the two of us for a long time. And we worked so hard to build this beta that had enough traction that we were able to fundraise and then build out our team. And I mean, gosh, I might look back on this answer years from now and think it was so naive, but the truth is I was so tired at that point. (laughs) Like it just been the two of us. We built this whole thing. We had all the, we had so many partners and we were, we so desperately needed help that I was, I wanted to give some pieces to somebody else. I needed to, I was so tired. Like when I finished my raise and then got most of the team in place, I was, I think it was like the most tired I've ever been. Like I remember going into the holiday and I was like, whoa, I've, (laughs) I need to sleep for two weeks. So I really, I was so, and the other thing is that in the interview process, um, with a couple of our, the team members that we hired, like they were so excited about it. And you could just feel like they had a lot of fire and they came with ideas. And the number one thing I said to them was, there is there are no processes in place. We have no structure. Like you, the opportunity you have is to come in and help us build that. And also you need to be a self-starter. Like I need you to be an entrepreneur in this department of STC. And we also just got really lucky in finding the right people. And I was really clear, like, this is not your basic nine to five, like throw the textbook out. Like it's time to go to battle to make this work. And so, so the, the naive part that I was going to say is like, I think a lot of this has to do with luck. Like you can control only so much and in smaller roles, like we have had freelancers just in the last few months where we like hired someone and they were a total fake. Like yeah. we hired them and they started working. And I honestly think they were, they were like selling off the work to somebody else. You just, you never really know what you're going to get. And honestly, with putting a team in place is go with your gut. You pick up a vibe from someone and then 
you got to give it a chance. And also like it's a startup, so you better move fast. And if it's not right, you end that relationship as quickly as possible. What is your trajectory been kind of moving into more of like a leadership role and like a management role? I'm not sure if you had a lot of management experience prior to starting Shop This City, but have you noticed that a lot of your like scope has changed now that you're also like, because a team of 10 is a really substantial team and it's not just Mm -hmm. like something you can, you know, you obviously want to have skills as well. So like manage that team really well. So what has that transition for you been like? Yeah. So I, I've really, really enjoyed it. Like I, I, I've been thinking a lot about being a female leader and how, you know, it's, it's, I think we, I'm going to generalize, but I think women tend to be a little, it comes more easily to us to lead with empathy for sure. And to be less black and white about people and work and your company. And so I'm trying to, I think, I think one of the things, one of the reasons it makes it a little bit hard for me to answer this question right now is because we're going so fast that we're all just like keeping our heads above water. And when a bit, there's still like, you obviously still need to manage your team and everyone's working so hard and moving in the right direction that my CTO and I check in often. And a big part of our check-in is how the team is doing. And so I can, I, I, to be honest, like I really, he and I really lead together for, for one thing. So it's, and I think we get to share sort of our, our gut instincts, our initial instincts about what our team might need and then collaborate together on what the right thing is moving forward. And I, I can see now, like I, I can, even with our team of 10, I can see where stuff comes up where I'm thinking, wow, I might only need to give 30 minutes to that now, but when we're 25 people, like that issue or that situation is going to take up my whole week. And so it feels like I'm, I'm having little small experiences now that are preparing me for some serious growth, hopefully. And I think also like sort of maybe this relates back to the female leader thing, but I said to the people I hired at the beginning, I'm new to being a CEO. Like I don't have all the answers and I'm going to do my absolute best And I need you to be open with me about stuff that's not working for you or could be better so that we can, because we all have the same goal and I don't need to be like, (laughs) this is not about my ego. This is about the company succeeding over everything. And I, you know, I, I had a conversation with a woman not too long ago who was the founding CEO and she got replaced like five plus years. Wow. That's a really big yeah, it's that. I mean, wow, right? Like you're like you said before, this is my baby. But also, yeah. what I want more than anything is for this baby to succeed in the world, and that actually allows me to not put. I don't put myself first. My company goes first, and that whatever kind of leader I need to be, um, if that needs means I need to like give someone else more responsibility because I'm not very good at that particular thing, then that's what the baby needs. You know what I mean? Like, so to speak. So it's such a work in progress. Like I'm only a year into being, you know, the leader of 10 people. And I think it's going pretty, I think it's going pretty well. Like our team dynamic is great. I so enjoy seeing and talking to everybody every single day. And I also should say that like I, my whole life growing up was about sports And so my life revolved around soccer and 
I loved being a leader on a team. It was, I felt it was my favorite thing. And when the whole team was in like a flow, it's one thing to be in a flow state as an individual and to be in like a flow state as a group is pretty special. So get this last year has sort of, it's the first time I felt that way a little bit since I was last playing. And that, that, I don't know, I'm, maybe it's just because I spent so much time on a field in my childhood, but that it feels so good to be on a team. I also played sports growing up and I completely relate to like the state of flow yeah. and being part of a team that, that is in that flow state. This is a bit of a sidetrack, but have you seen the Theranos documentary with Elizabeth or about Elizabeth Holmes on Disney Plus? We have the book in the house and I haven't okay. read it yet, but I'm so excited to get into it. Yeah, I haven't read the book. I just watched like they did like a it's it's a TV show, but it's like it, it's yeah, it's a TV show. It seems like a TV show, but it's basically yeah. everything that, ha- that happened in real life. But it's played Amanda Seyfried is the place. Yes, yeah, yeah. It. And it was my first time ever really hearing, but I was I was way too young when the whole thing came out to actually understand what was happening or be interested in at that point. Mm-hmm. But it was so interesting to, and obviously there were like whole other issues going on with the company. But course, yeah. when they kind of started talking about replacing her as the CEO and just like understanding that, just like you said, like the company comes before anything else yeah. like that's above and beyond. And sometimes it's a really weird concept to think about because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of focused now on your team and like who the founder is, like everyone's backgrounds when you're going through like funding rounds. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've heard that like the team really matters, and like who's kind of putting together the team and kind of who's putting forward the, the idea is really important. So it's so interesting to kind of hear from the other side what it's like when that person isn't exactly the right person. Yeah. And, and sometimes a founding CEO is not the same as an operational CEO and that's okay. You know, like there are, let's say I discover over the next few years that I really dislike, like not even, let's say I'm not even terrible at it. I just really dislike some super important part of being a managing an operational CEO. That's okay. Like, I don't know. We we don't know what's going to happen. And all that I probably the best thing I could do as a leader is just continue to take stock of how the team feels. Are we going in the right direction? Am I the right person to keep, am I the right person still at this stage as I was tomorrow, as I was yesterday or whatever? Yeah. Sure. I derailed the conversation a little bit there, but I, it's just like such an interesting topic and we've never talked about it. I totally agree. It's, it's really interesting to, to bring up. So also sort of tangential, but a debate I've had multiple times. So my fiance works in VC. Okay. They invest in climate tech stuff, which is so cool and really yeah. inspiring to hear about. And he and I have had this debate so many times. It actually started after we were watching the that HBO show about Uber. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Um, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the C- the founding yes. CEO. So we had this conversation because my partner, while talking to other funds in North America came home one day and he said, you know, what do you think about this? I keep hearing from other funds that the kinds of founders they like to invest in are the assholes, like the guys that they can't stand on a personal level, but they know they're so savage that they will, all they care about is the bottom line and moving forward. And I was like, first of all, we only make HBO shows about Uber CEOs, like the dramatic, like exaggerated characters. So that's the first thing. We don't like to talk about or make as big of a fuss of like, you know, the quiet, 
non-dramatic leaders who are successful and humble and don't aren't in headlines all the time. But also, I think I think unfortunately we're st- we still haven't really rounded this corner yet where we have a lot of women. Like I think one of my female investors said to me the other day, we are so much further behind than people actually believe we are because while we may have been put on the board, we don't have we're not being paid the same amount of money. We don't have the financial capacity to be angel investing like so many men do. We haven't had the the generations of board experience. We haven't had the generations of C-suite experience. And the truth is that while we are appear to be there, the numbers have slightly changed. The actual impact of more female leaders is not really being felt yet. And so I'm never going to walk into a boardroom, like to a room full of potential investors and be and come off like an arrogant, narcissistic asshole. <laughs> and so oh, I thought that that statement from this fund was so incredibly stupid because also like who wants to work for that person, right? Who wants to, how do you keep, there's, there's this, the reality is if you can keep really good people at your company, you'll probably have a lot of success and people want to stay with you when you're not all of those things. So I think that's so interesting because that's also who I'm up against when it comes down to investing in my company, right? And so hopefully we'll get to a place where investors will be able to see past the bravado and understand that there's so much more potentially to a leader who might be presenting differently than Travis, whatever his name was. <laughs> Can't remember his last name. Travis Kelsey? No. No, that's that's no, who's dating Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you see what happened? Taylor Swift is taking over. I can't even, I, I don't even know the Uber CEO's name anymore. No. And I completely agree with like the, I'm not super well-versed in like the VC realm. I've only really know what I've kind of gathered from my conversations with different mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and like on business casual. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's, it's so interesting because I have those same conversations all the time because people always ask about business casual, like, why is it female centered mm-hmm. and like why only women and a lot of people think like the the tide has changed and like everything is normal and like what's all even keel so like why are you still like pushing this narrative no. and it was interesting because I never when we started business casual it wasn't even about you know it's never been about pushing a narrative it's never been about like trying to tear another gender down it's never been about that it's just that I wanted to create a space where I could talk to women who I look up to and I can mm-hmm. create a space like women to come together because ultimately we face different challenges. Biologically, yeah. we are different. We were built different. So yeah. the challenges that I face in the workplace, even if I have the exact same upbringing, exact same education, exact same job as the person mm-hmm. next to me, like it's not the same. We're not going to face those same challenges going forward. And when we started Business Casual, 11% of business top business podcasts were hosted by women. So out of the top 100, only 11 were either wow. focused on women or hosted by women. So yeah. just so that proves the stat to you. Like there, exactly. there weren't conversations around women. And so like it's like what you said, the stats might be there, but their conversations aren't actually happening. We're not still sure. being included in the exact same way. And it's yeah, I mean, and it's even relating to Taylor Swift. It's like people <laughs> like people just love to tear women down regardless oh, of their okay. set, regardless of their talent, regardless of yep. what it is. And I think that goes into every single aspect of yeah. the workplace in general. Totally. And like, like 2% of startup money goes to female founders, 2%. Yeah. That's insane. Even if and that number is like 
a hundred percent by next, like even if it gets doubled every single year, yeah. the next like five years, it's still such a small percentage. It's so far to go. Yeah. 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 It's for sure. It's yeah. And you know, even like I had some, we can save it for a different conversation, but I had just to talk about fundraising, but it was, I had never, I feel like one of the most privileged, lucky people on the planet. I've had so much opportunity and support and love around me and resources and I never in my life ever been dismissed before I even opened my mouth. And it's something that a lot of people feel for different reasons. And that just breaks my heart. And, and honestly, I think in some, in some ways it's good to have a taste of it. So you understand, you can have some empathy for people who are marginalized and feel that every single day. But I was like, man, that sucks. Like that feeling really sucks. And I like I, I, have, I have conversations where I didn't even have it didn't matter what I said. I could have told him we were a billion dollar company already and he would have he wasn't even I could see in the reflection on the painting behind him that he was actually shopping on Amazon while I was talking. And I had been introduced to that particular person by a couple of extremely successful people. And I thought, I remember being on that email chain and being like, oh my God, I don't even deserve to be a part of this conversation. I can't believe I'm going to talk to this guy. It's so exciting. I got the best intro ever. And then I got to the call and it was like nothing. So yeah, man, we have a far, we have a ways to go for sure. But it's just a good, it's a good thing to not forget though, because if you do have success, don't forget the people behind you. And one, I'm so sorry to go through that. That is definitely the worst feeling ever. No, it's a rite of passage, but. <laughs> but two, I think it's also, it's also inspiring to hear stories like yours and just to know that like every single no you get one closer to saying yes. Like there are investors out there. There are VC yeah. firms out there who are investing in women. I was also going to add that I think the fact that Shop the City is definitely like based in fashion and based mm. in like industry I'm sure that also makes it like 10 times harder because I'm sure a lot of the like clientele who you are pitching to for investing are not the clientele that are using shop the city or have ever right. been in a situation where they would even be inclined to have like mm -hmm. a, a shop the city experience so I think that also probably adds like an even bigger barrier mm -hmm. and layer to to the pitching in like VC world yeah and but women do most of the decision making when it comes to household spending and they are the number one consumer and so what I got, I got a lot of people, honestly, I got a lot of men who would come back to me and say, I went home and talked to my wife or my daughter, and they think this is the smartest thing ever. And, you know, then the conversation would continue. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It was, you're totally right. And, and and for now, we've started with women's fashion and beauty and a little bit of lifestyle and stuff. But this has, we have lots of plans to move into other sectors of retail for sure. And, it, but you're totally right. That came up as a bit of a barrier in a couple of situations. I love this segue into the future because yeah. you are coming to Toronto, which obviously I'm based in Toronto, business casuals based yeah. in Toronto. So we have definitely a heavy centric Toronto following. Yeah. We also have some Vancouver listeners, but definitely uh, have lots of Toronto listeners. So would love to hear kind of what that expansion journey has been like and how did you yeah. know this was kind of like the next, because I think, you know, okay, one, you got the app, you built the team, you're like establishing yourself, but then it's kind of like, okay, you got to obviously like keep growing while you have the momentum. So what has kind of that journey been like coming to a market where maybe you don't have the same like connections or familiarity that you do in Vancouver? Yeah. Great question. So first of all, we, we started by building an app because we wanted it to feel like a very, very different experience than anything else you would find in the e-commerce world. 
So we wanted it to feel very distinct and like a digital tool or an app that was connecting you to a real experience in a store and not just another e-commerce platform. So that's why we built an app initially and the app will remain. But what we're also launching in line with expanding to Toronto is a full desktop and mobile website experience. So we've got over 22,000 locally available products now just in BC, and it's a lot easier for our users to browse through that on a desktop screen, of course. It also makes it a lot easier for us to improve the platform and build additional features on a website than it is on apps. <laughs> Dealing with Apple is not that simple. So it's there have I can't tell you how many times we've like built new features and we finally get them published and pushed through and like you take one step forward and then five other things break that you didn't even touch. It happens all the time. <laughs> and Apple changes their mind and changes rules and it's there, you know, it's we need to have a much larger dev team to keep up with Apple requirements essentially. So we'd always planned on building a website and I'm so excited that that's finally ready and it'll make it a lot easier for people to change their region. So you could be in Toronto and be looking for a specific brand that maybe you can't find in Toronto. You could change the region and shop in Vancouver and Victoria. So we'll no longer just be an app and we'll, we'll be a platform that you can use on both, like you can use as an app or you can just use as a website. So we knew we were ready because we got partner requests from the East Coast. We had uh, followers from the East Coast reach out to us and ask when we were going to launch in Toronto. And we'd also sort of experimented in a small way, stepping into a new city where I didn't know anyone, which was Victoria. Just, a, you know, it's a, it's a small city, but I, I had no relationships there. And because we were already somewhat established in Vancouver, that momentum was made it really easy to go to Victoria and get all the best stores on as really quickly, honestly. And we also have some great user, user data. Like our users are super active and we make it so, so easy for the store to join and super affordable. Like we don't take cuts of any of those store sales. It's a very, very low monthly fee to participate. So it's, it's really easy for us to set, to, communicate to them how we exist just to support their business. And so I, I actually took a trip out to Toronto in July and I just explored the city for a few days and, and walked into some of the best stores that we'd identified as potentially wanting to partner. And in the three days I was there, we had most of our pre-launch VIP list filled. So it was, I was like, okay, Toronto is ready. <laughs> I mean, the shopping scene here is, especially from like boutiques and thrift stores yeah. and everything, it's definitely a huge, huge market. I've actually never been to Vancouver. It's on my list, but never been. Oh my gosh. Okay. Vancouver. You have to come. It's great here. Yeah. But come in the summer. I know. That's what I've heard. I need to come. I've been to, not, not that it's in BC, but I've been to Banff. I'm like, I've been to Alberta. Oh, nice. Uh, I've been to Edmonton. Yeah. But I've never, I need to go a little bit further to come out to come out Yes, to BC. for sure. Nonetheless, sure. I know that Toronto is definitely a very exciting market and hopefully lots of our listeners will be able to download and check out STC. Before we kind of round up this episode, I kind of mm -hmm. want to ask, what are some of the exciting plans or like what's like your biggest vision and excitement for like the next five, 10 years of STC? I know it's really hard to think so far in advance, but yeah. what's like kind of your, your vision for, for STC? So we want to be across Canada and all the major cities in the next couple of years. So that's, that's sort of the shorter term plan and longer term would be expanding all over North America. And if we were getting really dreamy, then Australia and probably Western Europe. And 
growing our team, obviously that, that would be a requirement of that kind of expansion for sure. And we've also, you know, a really big and interesting part of our business is building out really like game-changing B2B wholesale tools. So it's sort of a, it maybe to some people would be a little bit more boring, but what COVID really showed us was that e-commerce is not the be all and end all. It's, there are so many businesses that actually don't make any money selling online because their return rates are so high. They offer free shipping and free returns. And it's, we're at this sort of reckoning point in retail where the consumer has come to expect that they can get anything they want online for free the next day and send it back for free the next day if they want. And the truth is that that's just not sustainable for businesses. Even large businesses like Zara have started implementing charges for returns. And shipping. They're not free either. They charge now for shipping. I don't know if I always charge. charge. Exactly. Yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah. And so there, so there are all of these sort of downsides to e-commerce and what we've seen on a more like macro level are a lot of small to medium-sized brands who cannot exist just DTC online anymore, direct to consumer online anymore. They have to go back to selling in boutiques. They have to go back to a wholesale model. And so the thing that's challenging for them is, is managing where all their product is and how successful their brand is doing in different regions. And that's something that we can help with. And so I'm really excited about that very powerful B2B data side of our company. And we're starting to dig into that now. And I'm really, really excited about it. It's going to be, it's going to require us expanding our dev team and bringing on some more data scientists, which I think is, I'm so excited for. I didn't think I'd be so excited about data, but here I am. (laughs) Going full circle. I love when episodes are full circle. Started yes. with data, started SGC. It's all about the market research. Now full circle, totally. still all about the data and the research and definitely is, yeah. is a really important part to all, all sides in any business, in any industry. So best of luck. It sounds so exciting. And of course, our final question, which we ask everyone on Business Casual, mm-hmm. which is one piece of advice you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given that's really stuck with you. That's not related to entrepreneurship as well. It can be any any advice that's... Well, I think it's actually... We've sort of touched on it already, but I, I struggle with this, honestly, every single day. And it is... I, I Like I've said already, I absolutely hate doing things that I, I feel like I don't have all the answers to. So jumping in, you know, head first without a full year of preparation scares the hell out of me. And you have to do it because you have to get comfortable with failing quickly. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and you have to be okay with failing fast. And with that comes the, with that comes a sort of like confidence in yourself that you're going to be okay no matter what, and you're going to do your best. And that's always good enough, no matter what happens. And I think I went too slowly in the in the beginning years of STC because I was afraid to do it wrong and it was just a waste of time. There's no such thing. You just it can't be perfect. If you wait till it's perfect, it's far too late. Yeah. And and even now, you know, self-doubt is probably the thing that gets that wastes most of my time. My own time is wasted by me doubting myself. And I'm still working on it, but I I guess sort of the summary of that is fail fast. It's a, that in itself is an accomplishment and, 
And you know so much more than you think you do. And you have every right to be in that room and every right to be on that call and every right to be on that email. And you don't, you don't have to have all the answers right now. You're in the process of figuring them out. So just start and keep going. I love that. Maya, thank you so much for coming Business Casual. I encourage everyone to check out Shop the City and we wish you nothing but success and cannot wait to have you back on in 10 years when you've launched globally and uh, have your her corporate offices in Vancouver. We'll fly out to awesome. Vancouver. We'll do, we'll do the interview. In totally. Person. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Stacey. It was so, so nice to have this conversation with you. Perfect.